Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. Dr. Beck is a family practitioner. You find him at the WellMed Clinic at 410 and Centerview. It's the clinic I happen to go to, and I actually saw you at work there the other day. So you really are a practicing physician. You're, you're much uh, quieter out of your elements, you know, out of the studio. <laughs> I was tiptoeing down the hallway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was good to see you there. And it was. It's good to see you again. You've had a little PTO. Did you go anywhere fun? I did. I went to uh, Playa del Carmen for a week, so that was nice. Nice, relaxing vacation. It's not really relaxing when you have little kids that wake up at 7.30 in the morning and want their uh, smoothies right. and cereal, but it was still relaxing. It was nice. I wasn't working. No telephone encounters. <laughs> and no texting. And no texting. Right? Yeah. So what is that like? Can you actually turn your brain off? Uh, no. No, I still uh, logged on at night because if I don't, then I get back and then I've got a bunch of stuff to do. But um, it was less so than, you know, typical day, day's work. So well, that's cool. And, and it was nice. You know, it was on the beach and, you know, different environment, relaxing environment. So My wife is afraid to bring the kids to the beach now because of all the stories of all the bugs that are now living on beaches and in ocean water. Oh, wow. You don't well, worry about it? No, just mosquito repellent and... Uh, Brain-eating amoeba? Yeah, those tend to be in dark uh, or uh, warm warm water lakes and rivers and not so much in the ocean. You worry more about, I guess, great white sharks and jellyfish in the ocean. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> well, jellyfish are no fun. Yeah. Yeah. Unless not, you're a jellyfish. Unless you're a jellyfish. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about, and uh, I, I was telling uh, Dr. Rodriguez, we don't often bring guests back mm -hmm. uh, because we, we find that having new guests, new guests, new guests is more fun. But occasionally, mm -hmm. we come across someone who's really good on the radio, and, and that was Dr. Rodriguez. He's with Family Medical Home, which is part of the WellMed Network, and we're delighted to have Dr. Jesus Rodriguez with us, graduated from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, now called Texas Health uh, School of Medicine in 2005, and completed his family medicine residency training at Christus Santa Rosa, board certified by the American Board of Family Medicine, and it's really good to see you again. Thanks for having me back. I, I think you need to get your ears checked, though. I'm not sure uh, I was a, a very great guest, but happy to be back. No, you did a good job. Seriously, we don't bring them all back. Well, thanks. So, I mean, I'm happy to be here. And we're honored to have you back we had here. To fill, we had to fill, fill, fill some of the in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's right. No, you were good. Yeah, you were it was very a, good. It was a close vote. Yeah. Excellent. Tie <laughs> vote, and I carried <laughs> it. So. so, Dr. Beck, one of the things that uh, we wanted to talk about with Dr. Rodriguez is the whole question of preventive screenings, breast, prostate, colon cancer. Uh, I had a very good friend uh, who died of colon cancer who never had a colonoscopy until it was too late. Uh, who kept putting off and putting off and putting off. And ultimately, uh, when he had a colonoscopy, the cancer had uh, perforated his colon, and he lived maybe another three months. That screening can save your life. It can be preventable if it's caught early. And uh, screening tests in general are used to uh, just screen and search for possible signs of cancer and, and, you know, maybe in people that are at high risk or have a family history and in, in just the general population just due to the prevalence of certain types of cancer. 
And, uh, and so, yeah, it's very important to, to get some sort of screening. There are several screenings that can be done, and we'll talk about those for the di- various types of cancer. Uh, but it's, it's something that's highly recommended, and most family practitioners will recommend it to their patients when they see them at their visits. So, Dr. Rodriguez, uh, a lot of folks, and I think it's maybe more true in America than anywhere else, we're really squeamish about our colons. We, you know, we don't like talking about them. We don't like people poking in them. Uh, so getting some people to agree to go for colonoscopy can be a challenge. Absolutely, it's a challenge, uh, especially here in South Texas and the culture that uh, the Hispanic culture that we that we live in. Uh, there's a, a machismo associated with it. Yeah, everybody says this is a exit only uh, and doesn't really want to deal with uh, colonoscopy screenings or, or any sort of uh, colon screenings, if you will. But uh, that's that's what we do on a daily basis is, is kind of have that discussion and guide patients and let them know that this is important. And uh, as, as embarrassing as it is, uh, this is our body. And, you know, you touched on this uh, right now in your comment that your friend delayed in, in getting tested and getting diagnosed. This is a preventable disease, which is why the screenings are recommended at a, at a, at a relatively early age, at about 50 years of age is when we start screening. Um, again, if there's a family history, if there's a genetic predisposition, that's the kind of discussion that you want to have with, uh, with your primary care doctor. But uh, it's recommended for both men and women beginning at 50. So how does it work when uh, you do the prep? If folks have never had a colonoscopy, uh, people complain more about the prep than the actual procedure. That, that, that's what I always hear, you know. So, right. yes, you have the cultural machismo with the Hispanic population, but with the non-Hispanic population, usually it's they, they heard that the prep was bad, so it's not so much the problem with the procedure itself because you're going to be, you know, they're going to give you medication to make you sleepy and you're not going to remember what happened, hopefully. Uh, but uh, usually it's the prep because you get that diarrhea. You got to clean that colon out, right, so that the GI doc can 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 use his colonoscope and, and, and look in the intestine and look for polyps, which is what they're looking for. And so you can't do that without the prep. So unless you so. actually clean it out, uh, yeah. you can't see the... St- the skin in there, you may right? Miss right, right, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's the whole point of doing the prep. Everybody complains about the prep. It's uh, it's gives you diarrhea. You're sitting on the commode for several hours, and then you can't eat anything uh, uh, afterwards. Um, so the biggest problem is the prep. The the procedure itself, uh, like mm-hmm. Dr. Beck mentioned, they give you great margaritas. You don't remember anything, but they give you something to to kind of help uh, you know put you put you to sleep and help you to forget and give you something for the pain as well. But the procedure is, is relatively quick and painless. Uh, it's a 30-minute procedure, um, and, and afterwards you recover and, and you go home. In fact, during the procedure, uh, if they see things like polyps, can't they just snip them off? That's what they do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's th- so there's different ways of screening for colon cancer. The, the preferred method, still the gold standard, remains a colonoscopy for that reason. So it's, it's a scope with a camera at the end. It goes into the colon. Uh, they're able to visualize and see the polyps. And if there are polyps, that the point is to be able to remove them right then and there uh, so they can get tested to see if they're cancers or precancers. There are plenty of other screenings, but the preferred method is still the, colon, uh, the colonoscopy for that reason, to remove those polyps. Now, I want to remind folks who just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio at 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron. We have a special guest today, Dr. Jesus Rodriguez. He's with Family Medical Home here in San Antonio. Our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, is here. And we're talking at the moment about colon cancer screenings, a way to, uh, more often than not, uh, if you identify it 
prevent the spread of colon cancer. That, that's always my selling point. My, my selling point is that, you know, if you, know if, if you have the colonoscopy and it's normal, you're good for 10 years. You know, if you're 50, you're good until you're 60. Right. So, you know, take one day of the bad prep, the diarrhea, the clean everything out so that you can have the procedure and hopefully it's normal. And if you don't have a family history, you know, then ho- hopefully it'll be normal and then you'll be good for 10 years. So Now, the prep has gotten easier, has it not? I, I can remember because I'm old enough yeah. at age 77 to go back a bunch of years when you had to drink gallons of stuff. I'm sure it has. I mean, I don't know what they use now. but So there are other medications out that they can give you, but yeah. really the, the preferred method is still that liquid that you have to drink because mm-hmm. that's going to really do the job and clean you out. Can't you just take one little pill that will just wipe it all out? I mean, we've done so great with would pills. Be nice. Would right? be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there, we don't have that pill yet. No, we have something like that, but it oh. just does not work as well as uh, as a liquid prep. The liquid prep is going to really clean you out, do what it needs to do, so that the gastroenterologist can uh, perform the procedure and, and have really good visualization. Of the and if you haven't been cleaned out, and let's hope no one's eating dinner at this time, <laughs> uh, we're talking about cleaning out your colon. Can't they just kind of hose it down while you're on the table there? No, that's, uh, they can't really do that. Uh, the, the apparatus comes with uh, capability of kind of rinsing out and moving some particulate matter away. But uh, if there's still a lot of liquid, a lot of stool in there, it, uh, it defeats a purpose. Unless you want to be, uh, you know, regurgitating <laughs> that through your mouth, then I would suggest not, not attempting that. No, but, thank you very much. But I want to say that, you know, for those patients, and Dr. Rodriguez, you know, uh, might touch on this too, you know, the colonoscopy is the gold standard, as, as we mentioned, and, and as Dr. Rodriguez mentioned, but there are other modalities for the patients that don't really want to do, you know, the colonoscopy. There, there are still other ways to screen. There's a sigmoidoscopy, which is not the preferred method, but it's one that you can get done where it's not as deep. It doesn't cover the whole colon. It doesn't cover That's the correct. whole colon. It's, a, it's a, an every five-year test. So to me, it kind of defeats the purpose because you still have to do the prep. You still have to get medication, and then they still do, a, you know, they do a sigma. Uh, another procedure, a shorter procedure to look, uh, but there's a. But they don't know what they've missed. Then That's they correct. don't know what they've missed. Then there's a, a CT colonography is another option. So maybe the patient's you know has a lot of comorbidities, or maybe they've got some anaphylactic reactions in the past to anesthesia, and they can't you know do the conscious sedation. Or so they is have, that the one they call virtual colonoscopy? Well, it's a CT colonography where they do a CT scan, a CAT scan, a special X-ray of the abdomen to look at the intestine. They make you drink some stuff that lights up the intestine. Ah, you're still drinking stuff. You're still drinking stuff, and so it's a dye that lights up the intestine, and and then they look for big masses. They can't really see the little small polyps, which is why the colonoscopy is still the best test. Uh, But it's one that, you know, if you have a big cancer, hopefully the radiologist will be able to see that. And then the last test is the fit. Don't go away from that yet. Because if they see something, uh, then you got to go get a colonoscopy. Well, then you have to go get a colonoscopy. So what have you won? Sure, exactly. And so that's our selling point in our discussion with the patients that we have on a day-to-day basis is to try to get them to get the best test. But, you know, sometimes you have to negotiate and compromise. And, you know, if somebody's willing to do something, it's, something's better than nothing, you know, in my so, opinion. So then what's the next option? The last one, you know. The, the last option really is a, a, a less invasive procedure, actually non-invasive procedure. It's, it's just checking the stool for blood. Uh, there's some uh, what we call still guayac uh, fecal occult blood testing where we as a providers give cards out uh, to the patients and the patients can put a little smear of stool on there and bring that back to the office and then we uh, we put a little chemical 
agent on it and see if it uh, reacts with blood. So if the, if the card comes back negative, then we can assume that there is no blood in the stool or in the colon. But if it does react positively, then either way, you still have to go get that colonoscopy. The challenge with those kind of tests is that you can have hemorrhoids that, that bleed. Uh, so you can get a test that's positive and, and not really know whether this is due to hemorrhoids or due to a polyp that's kind of slowly oozing and bleeding. But at the end of the day, you're still going to need that, that colonoscopy. And if it comes back negative, uh, you don't know if that was a day in which the polyps weren't bleeding. Well, that's what I always tell them. I, right. I say, you know. Because they don't bleed all day, every day. That's correct. You could still have a big mass that's not bleeding. You know, not a big mass, but you can have a mass that's not bleeding that's still cancer. And nobody would know it, you know, right. because it wasn't bleeding. And so that's why you try to get them to do the best test, you know. All right, we're going to come back to this in a moment. The gold standard is the traditional colonoscopy. Correct. I want to move on to breast cancer, and uh, we'll touch on that uh, and take a look at well uh, at prostate cancer. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, is here along with Dr. Jesus Rodriguez. He's with Family Medical Home. If you care for a spouse or a loved one, come to the 2019 Caregivers Summit, November 1st at the Whitley Theological Center, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. This year's summit is the Empowered Caregiver. There's no cost to attend. Speakers include caregiver author Sheila Warnock, Tam Cummings, author of Untangling Alzheimer's, Dr. Lillian Oaks, medical director with WellMed's Palliative Care Program, and elder law attorney Carol Birch, you can even get a free flu shot while you're there. A light breakfast and lunch will be served, and respite care will be available for up to 20 spots. Again, the Caregiver Summit will be at the Whitley Theological Center, 285 Oblate Drive, November 1st. Social workers, CEUs, and nursing CNEs will be available. Call 866-390-6491 or visit caregiversos.org to register. That's caregiversos.org and join us for the 2019 Caregiver Summit. We thank you so much for joining us here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. You find Dr. Beck at the WellMed Clinic in San Antonio at Loop 410 in Centerview. And our guest today is Dr. Jesus Rodriguez. He's with the Family Medical Home, which is part of the WellMed Network. And we're talking about certain screenings that can help identify and in some cases prevent cancers. And we covered colon cancer. I realize, and Dr. Rodriguez said this off the air, uh, we could talk about this for the next eight hours, but we're going to move on. And the next one would be breast cancer. Uh, And I was uh, telling Dr. Beck, uh, in fact, I interviewed him uh, I wrote an article not too long ago for Local Community News, which is a local monthly newspaper, on men and breast cancer, which doesn't get talked about a lot uh, because a very small percentage of men develop breast cancer, but they do, do they not, Dr. Rodriguez? That's correct. It's extremely rare, but uh, there are some men that can develop breast cancer. You don't hear a lot about it, again, because of the rarity of it. Um, It's not something, because it's so rare, it's not something that we recommend men get routine screenings for. Uh, but there are certain uh, men that that have glands, uh, breast tissue, uh, and, and uh, having a condition called gynecomastia uh, can predispose some of these men to develop breast cancer as well. Yep. Now, for women, I know for a long time, self-exam uh, was recommended. 
and and then it wasn't, and then it was. Is it still recommended as a way to uh, detect breast cancer? Yeah, yeah it's still recommended. Uh, it's it, it, there's not a whole lot of evidence that says that it changes outcomes. But uh, what I tell my when I tell my patients is this: um, you know your body, you know your breast, and and you may not know what you're feeling for. But when you feel something different and something that's abnormal, that's when you come to me so we can have that discussion and do some screening tests or some imaging studies as well. And what are the screening tests that you can do to determine whether there is a breast cancer? Well, the simplest thing for, uh, for imaging would be an ultrasound to see if, if what we're dealing with is a solid mass or a cyst, uh, which is a fluid-filled structure. Uh, and then, of course, there's a mammogram. So the mammogram is a, is a screening tool. Well, there's different kinds, but there's a screening mammogram to identify whether there are signs of, of cancer tissue. Uh, and then there's a diagnostic mammogram. So when somebody, when a woman has um, an actual mass, a lump, a nodule, then we do a more detailed uh, mammogram that can identify um, uh, what, what, what we're dealing with here. Now, women always complain and, and, and say to me when we do these shows <clears throat> that a mammogram hurts. I mean, they just pinch the hell out of that breast. Y- yes, that's generally what, uh, what most uh, patients say, and it's still the case. But uh, the technology and the technique has improved somewhat. Uh, it, it, it definitely is dependent on the technique and the modality. Uh, we also have now uh, 3D imaging and MRI uh, mammography that uh, doesn't uh, put all that pressure, but they're very, very expensive. And a lot of times the insurance companies don't really pay for those. Even though it could save your life. It can save your life. The, the insurance companies will pay for, for imaging studies. They'll pay for your mammogram. But uh, because of the complaints that we get from patients, uh, patients prefer the, uh, the 3D imaging. Um, and, and a lot of times, because of the expense, uh, the insurance companies prefer to, to, to recommend the, uh, the, the, ma- the mammography. Now, do the 3D images show more and better than a traditional mammogram? To a certain degree, yes. Uh, and, and I think what we may see, and I, I, I really don't know, but as technology improves, as science improves, uh, these kind of modalities may get less expensive and be preferred, uh, but that's yet to be determined. You know, we're getting so close to doing everything with our iPhone pretty soon. We'll have an iPhone mammogram. You'll have an app for that, yes. Absolutely. So, So Dr. Beck, you're seeing an older uh, population of women, although you're starting to see younger women as well that takes uh, commercial insurance from uh, employees. But for the most part, uh, do you still want to do a mammogram on on women over 60 or 70? Yeah, so I'm glad that you, 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 you brought that up. So it really depends also on the age of the patient. So if you have a young female, uh, you know, who has, you know, obviously denser breast tissue, thicker breast tissue, and you feel a nodule or whatever, you know, then you you would probably choose an ultrasound as your first test, whereas the mammogram would be the one that would be used for the people that are older, you know, that are in the screening age guidelines, you know, 45, 50, and above. So it just depends, you know. And obviously, you know, if you see a hard mass, you know, if you feel a mass, well, then that changes everything. Then you're probably not going to do an ultrasound. You're going to go directly to a diagnostic mammogram uh, to diagnose it, right? So the, the diagnostic mammogram is the one that, like Dr. Rodriguez said, there's a mass, everybody sees it, you know, it's not the elephant in the room. And so you're wanting to get that diagnosed to know whether, you know, you, likely you're going to need a biopsy to determine whether it's cancer or not. 
and the diagnostic mammogram can also be picked up on a screening mammogram. So the radiologist will read the screening mammogram, and let's say they see an area of calcification and it's irregular and, you know, they're concerned. And oftentimes, you know, Dr. Rodriguez and I will receive a letter from the radiologist that says, now we recommend the diagnostic mammogram, sometimes with spot compression views. So What does that mean? Where they just compress that certain part of the, of the, of the breast to get a better view of the tissue, a closer view, because they're pushing tissue. You know, that's what women always complain about. The compression, right, is what hurts when they compress the right, breast. Right. So they compress that view to get a better view and a closer view to see if there is irregularity and calcifications and things that would be suggestive of, you know, maybe a cancer, right? Uh, and so, yeah, you know, the majority of patients that I see, you know, the older patients, I send them for mammograms. You know, if I have a young patient, then, you know, maybe we'll do an ultrasound. And I think the MRIs are good. You know, I don't order, a, you know, any MRIs. I may have a patient that's willing to pay for it. And if they're willing to pay for it, then that's fine if they want to do that. Or, you know, if the radiologist comes back or the surgeon comes back, which I, I can't remember when I last had somebody tell me that, if they request, you know, to maybe to get a better view of the right. kind of mass that they have, then maybe the MRI would be a good test, uh, a 3D uh, MRI. Uh, but generally, the gold standard is still the mammogram. And is there an age beyond which you no longer do mammograms? It depends on the patient risk factor. Uh, generally, we, we usually stop at 75, uh, being the last year. But obviously, if, they ha if they've had breast cancer or they have a strong family history, uh, especially if they have breast cancer, you know, it depends on when it was diagnosed. I mean, if it was diagnosed 20 years ago and it was cured, then, and, you know, the oncologist says, bye, you're cured, you know, then maybe you don't have to pass right, the age right. of 75. But if it was, you know, later in life in their 50s or 60s, then they're probably going to continue to get them beyond the age of 75. He's Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. Our guest today on WellMed Radio is Dr. Jesus Rodriguez. Uh, when it comes to uh, diagnosing and then ultimately treating breast cancer. Uh, again, early intervention saves lives. Absolutely. It's all about prevention and screening versus reacting. Once, once you've diagnosed it, uh, and depending on at what time, what stage you diagnosed it, then it, it really changes everything. For us as providers, what, what I tell my patients is uh, I prefer to see you once a year to do all the screening and focus on prevention so that you're not in my office more often. But, but yes, the, the recommendation is to start screening roughly at about 50 years of age. And I say that right now because I think that's what the current guidelines are, the, re the current recommendations. They continue to change, and they, they keep changing right. year after year. Uh, but, you know, we started about 40, 45. I think the current recommendation is about 50 to 75. But it also it depends on, again, your family history, uh, symptoms. And it really, even though they're recommendations, these are not guidelines, they're recommendations, which means that you as a patient have to discuss it with your doctor so that you guys can decide right. what is best for right. you. Let's switch gears for just a moment. We've got about three minutes left and, and take a look at the uh, issue of prostate cancer, a, a male disease, uh, which does indeed kill people every year. It does. Uh, so prostate cancer is, again, one of the top five cancers um, and uh, probably the second most common cancer in men, uh, second to lung cancer. Well, somebody told me once, if you're a guy, you live long enough, you'll have prostate cancer. That's, that's true. So 
a great majority of men end up being diagnosed with prostate cancer, but uh, but less men actually die from prostate cancer. It's just it's such a slow growing, indolent process. Uh, there are some screening tools that that are out there, but uh, as of yet, uh, there are still a lot of questions and doubts about the use uh, of these screening tools. Now, there's a blood test, but it often gives false positives. That's what he was alluding to. Right. right. Yeah. So th- there's I was a just p- trying to translate for the rest, oh, okay. for the rest of right. our listening the, audience. Yeah. That's right. So, so that's correct. There's a, there's a blood test called the PSA, prostate-specific antigen. It's, uh, and and it's, it's not that specific. That's, 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 <laughs> unfortunately, that's true. Yeah. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an antigen. It's a blood test that's released by cancer cells. But it can also be released by normal uh, prostate tissue. Uh, and, and we can measure that in the blood, and depending on— It gives the, you a number. It gives us a number, that's right. And, and normal, normal numbers should be anywhere from zero to four. Uh, but also dependent on the age of the, uh, of the person, uh, that number can shift a little bit as well. So the current recommendation is, you know, there, there's no evidence that doing a blood test changes outcomes or doing a rectal exam changes outcomes. But it's still a tool that we can use to have that discussion with patients. So— what I generally do is, is maybe do a yearly PSA because there's still information that I can gather from that. I can follow the trend. I can see if there's an increase in, in the rise of that PSA uh, and then have a discussion with a patient as well. So, again, the best thing to do, talk to your primary care Absolutely. provider. Absolutely. It's yep. shared decision-making. Yeah. Right. So. And you're still doing digital exams? Uh, it depends. It depends really on, on the patient, the symptoms, uh, family history. Again, from the recommendation standpoint, there's no utility for it, but uh, it still gives us plenty of information. It can tell me if there's a nodule. It can tell me if, uh, if uh, there's prostate tenderness, which would mean possibly an infection. Okay. Got to stop yeah. you right there. Yeah. We could spend a lot more time on this as well, but we are flat out of time. I really appreciate you coming in, Dr. Jesus Rodriguez. He is uh, with the Family Medical Home. Our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you again soon on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.